Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 Capitol Drive. We're in that great big, beautiful town bank building. We're also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, right across from Winkings, and we can service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida as well. I have two guests today, and we're talking about a topic that's very near and, and dear to my heart. I have Jenny Wagner and Pam Foti, and they are both co-owners and elder care advocates for the Vesta Senior Network. And I want to welcome both of you to the show. Thank you. One of the things at Ellen Becker is um, every time we sit down with a client, we talk to them about what's most important and what their fears are and some of the things that they've experienced in the past to kind of give us a better idea of how to plan for them. And we always start out by looking at their estate plan. If they have a will, trust, and of course, powers of attorney for finances and powers of attorney for healthcare. And today we're really talking about people and their health and what they can do and having advocates to help them. And one of the things that I've noticed is that when we do sit down and do the power of attorney for healthcare, they have an idea of who they would want to name, but they really don't believe it's ever going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something that's out there. And when it happens and when they have to face with it, it's almost a little bit like a blind side. I mean, it's really hard to prepare. We prepare for retirement. We prepare for so many things. And often we'll talk about, well, do you have any history in your family um, of someone having to have extended care? And, you know, they'll say yes, but in many ways, they almost don't feel that it's ever going to happen to them. And that's really what you are doing. You are really dealing with families to help them to navigate um, healthcare issues that sometimes are so difficult to talk about. And what have you seen now that we've made our way through COVID and people were having so much trouble with being in nursing homes, being in any type of extended care? Has anything changed? Is there something that gives people a little bit more confidence than what I think they've had in the past? Well, I think it's safe to say that we aren't in a situation any longer, or at least on a regular basis, where the either skilled nursing facility or assisted living community are completely shut to visitors. In most places, you're you're able to visit your loved ones. Um, if there happens to be someone perhaps uh, with COVID, which we're not seeing that much anymore, um, maybe you can only visit your loved one in his or her room. You maybe can't be out in the common areas like once upon a time you used to be able to. But um, in general, there's a pretty return to normal sort of situation when it comes to how residents in these communities are able to interact with their loved ones. And I think that that brings, you know, great peace of mind because 
during COVID, that first year before the vaccination was available, um, you know, a lot of places were completely shut down. And these older adults, you know, um, especially difficult for people with dementia, trying to communicate with their loved one through Zoom or through FaceTime. And it, it just was really a huge disconnect. But now people are able to, again, be in person with their loved one. And that has really, I think, helped a lot of people out uh, with respect to their confidence in these communities. Uh, there was such a bottleneck after, after COVID because so many people kept their loved ones home because if this was going to be the last year of that person's life, they wanted to be sure to be able to see them. So consequently, we're seeing much more advanced cases of dementia, of physical frailty, of illness than we had in the past because people have stayed home that much longer. Do you know, we've had all these holidays and um, in the last couple of years, people weren't able to be together during a holiday. And I know even for myself, when I was dealing with my mom, that was one of the times that I could really notice that things weren't maybe the same as they were a year ago at Christmas. Um, what's happening now, and I know it's so important for children, loved ones to be aware of their family. And the other thing that I've noticed is that husband and wives, if they're together, they, they figured out how to cover up for each other. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to determine what's really going on. We frequently see that, that holiday times are when we see a, a lot of um, uptick in phone calls from family members. And because that's when we see our loved ones and we start planning for things. And that's when we see things being just a little bit different. So yeah, that certainly always happens. And then post COVID, it's, it seems, you know, like Pam said, frequently people are a little further along than what, what we would expect. And, and part of that is because we've stayed isolated and, and in our homes for a long time, or things have been just kind of like backburnered a bit because who wants to take their loved one to a hospital when we're now we're opening ourselves up to what might, you know, so we're just going to handle it the best we can with my sister or my brother, and we're going to tag team. And, and so we do see a bit of an increase of people needing, not only needing help, but needing more help than maybe we would have expected. Um, it, it's still, um, overall, I think that we have sunny skies ahead of us in terms of long-term care. We were through a tough part here dealing with COVID and that sort of thing. And like Pam said, places are opening up. There's the ability to visit, which Pam touched on it when she said, we have a better confidence level. It's very hard to have your loved one be in the hospital, in um, a skilled nursing facility to have rehab or even in an assisted living and not be able to visit them, people start becoming very suspicious. Like, are they treating my family members well? Are you, because you can't get your eyes on it. You can't be there. And now that people are able to be there, they're, they're a little more like, okay, it's going to be all right. This is as I expect, um, which is important to everyone. Of course, we want to be able to be there with our loved ones. When you're visiting or you're spending now more time with that parent or that loved one, what are the types of things that you should be taking, um, you know, maybe making a journal or 
taking note of the things that are there. I think so often, and I only can relate to myself, is when I was dealing with the issue with my mother, I was so overwhelmed. I'd come home at night and I was exhausted. I didn't even think of all the things that gone wrong. It seemed like almost in some cases, it seemed like everything was going wrong. You know, it was hard. What are the types of things that um, people should be really taking stock of? So I think that, and you know, I have personal experience with this, as does Jenny. Um, but I, I think that what's really important is that when you start to notice changes, um, it's important that you, you know whether it be memory, whether it be physical frailty, it's important that we don't put our heads in the sand. And you know, my grandmother died of Alzheimer's um, 25 years ago this month, and you know, we all look back on, oh, remember that time when the dinner rolls didn't turn out right? Remember when her Texas cake was like pudding? You know, those sorts of things. And my grandma was a cook, you know, she was a real cook. And, you know, we didn't make anything of it at the time. But then when we started looking back over the course of, oh, and then well, why'd she give up her car so willingly? You know, there were all these different, um, you know, points in time that had we maybe been keeping better track of, maybe by writing it down, maybe by talking, the family talking more about these things as opposed to being afraid to talk about them. I think that maybe we would have um, identified what was going on with my grandma a little bit sooner. Now, again, 25 years ago, knowing knowing what was going on sooner was not going to benefit us because there weren't any medications that she could have started sooner. Nothing would, the course would not have changed, but today the course can change some. So by really paying close attention um, and taking notes so that you can start see me, seeing maybe some frequency, you know, everybody has an off day here and, you know, now and again, but when you start having more and more off days and you as an adult child start really noticing that um, things just are not right more frequently, that's important. That's very, very important. And by journaling that, you can, you know, uh, attend a doctor's appointment or reach out to your mom or dad's doctor and begin to have a conversation with some real facts. Um, you know, it's really tough to remember, even with our own health, like, well, now, wait a minute, when did that pain start? Gosh, you know, so it, it's tough to answer, you know, timeline questions, or specific provide specific examples. If we don't, you know, start tracking and, and writing those things down. And as we begin to think about having a conversation with our loved ones about getting some help, whether it be in home or whether it be going to an assisted living community, a lot of times having good examples to share with them, as well as with whomever their authority figure may be, whether it be their financial advisor, their priest, their pastor, their doctor, you know, to help, you know, try to build a team of people who are trying to do what's best um, you know, really having some facts is, is really useful. And it's tough to do that just from recall. If I could interject too, you said it at the beginning of the call and, and Pam just touched on it. It is our natural human, you know, what we do is to feel like this is never going to happen to me. And likewise, as adult children or as a spouse to someone who needs care, this couldn't possibly be happening to us. You know, this isn't going to be what happens, but it is important to be thoughtful about the little things that, because 
being careful, being thoughtful, keeping a journal, doing these things may seem like maybe overkill, but really knowledge is power. You want to empower yourself and help your loved one get the best possible that they can. Um, so that, you know, maybe we're acting a little more proactively rather than reactively, which is what sadly most of the population does. For this situation, when we need care, everyone handles it reactively. And if you can be a little proactive, that person can then live their best life or continue to live their best life in the best way they can. Um, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a big differentiation. I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I don't know if you've been watching the show on TV, This Is Us. Mm -hmm. And it's just a great show. And they've been dealing with their mom facing mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. And in the very beginning, you know, you almost watch it and think, well, she seems really fine. But now as the show has progressed, she's having more issues and memory losses. But I'd be curious to when we come back, let's talk about the dynamics of families. And when you work with families, because I think and I still remember with my mother when she was very sick and it was um, it was really time she wanted to let go it was time to let go and my sister was the power of attorney for finances and she couldn't do it and we really had to sit down and talk and um, come to a place together that we fully agreed on what was the best thing for my mom and so let's take a quick break and we come back let's let's talk about those dynamics Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I have two guests today, and one is Jenny Wagner and also Pam Foti, and they are co-owners and elder care specialists and advocates for the Vesta Senior um, network and they work within really a lot within the five counties, but they have the ability to go just about anywhere and uh, do work in Madison and all over Wisconsin and having an advocate for your loved one, I think is really important. But before we took the break, I talked a little bit about the show. This is us and how the family dynamics got in the way in the very beginning and also put a lot of pressure on the mom and the stepdad to make decisions. And it's been an interesting trilogy to follow. And I'm a certain that you run into these types of things all the time. It's true. And I, I have been following, you know, this is us. Throughout <laughs> um, and, you know, I think back on, you know, when um, Rebecca was first diagnosed and how Randall was so adamant about the research and the studies and trying to fix her. And, um, you know, Kevin and Kate were more like, you know, the, more the compassionate. Other, yeah, the, the other side of the coin. And it, it, that reminds me of uh, a family that I was working with. And the, the dad had dementia and pretty profound dementia. And mom, they were in their 90s. And mom just could not care for him anymore. I mean, it, it was really bad. Um, and the son, however, I mean, this man had been an engineer. He had multiple patents in his name and just very, very bright, uh, successful, accomplished man. And when the time came when the, um, I believe it was the financial advisor thought that it was time to, um, to make sure that 
that he was no longer handling his finances, um, the son, just his reaction was, what do you mean? How can my dad have dementia? He's the smartest person I know. And, and even in that, you know, hearing, you know, from the financial advisor, and then ultimately the doctor, that this man was no longer capable of making his own decisions, his son just had such a hard, hard time accepting that. Fortunately, that's not completely common. But I think that oftentimes, we hear children struggling with, is it now? Is the time now? When will I know? When will I know if it's time to place my loved one in an assisted living community to get care? And a lot of times, you know, when, when I see these struggles, like, like, the, like the trio um, on This Is Us, when I see these struggles, I, I sometimes have to just pull out um, my litmus test questions. And those are, first, if your mom was at home alone and the smoke detector went off, what would she do? Would she know to leave? Would she know to find help? Would she know to call 911? Or would she be so scared of the sound? Would she hide under a bed? I mean, very different outcomes based on, you know, what someone would do in that situation. Another question I always ask is, okay, if your mom's home alone and I come to the door and I say, hi, Judy, my name is Pam. I'm a good friend of your daughter, Kathy's. Remember, don't you remember me? I lived down the street. We went to high school together. Can we visit? And if she let me in the door, that could be very dangerous. You know, we see older adults becoming, you know, victims of, you know, scams and predators and what have you. And those are always two questions that are really, I think, dramatic. But sometimes those are the, what people need to hear because it's scary. And sometimes that can help get a family on the same page. Now that doesn't mean that the family is gonna agree, oh no, mom would never let a stranger in, you know, you might hear that. But I think that, you know, there are definitely times and situations where families really are at odds over what is best. Denial is so easy when you love somebody. And I, I know that often in a married couple too, they cover up for each other and they get a dance, they get a routine that kind of, um, um, becomes difficult to maintain, but it's their dance. And yeah. it's it's hard to see the differences there as to when they're alone or when people are around. And yet I think writing down and journaling and talking to your siblings about what are you seeing and having an open conversation because the best of it, I think, is the communication and it's the willingness to um to see what's going on and not kind of hide it. I mean and being an advocate for your parent or the one that you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Jenny and I always joke about like in, in, in any couple situation, you know, it's like, okay, you take the pedals, I've got the wheel. And that's how we get through life. You know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses in our marriages. Um, I don't mean strengths and weakness in the marriage, but within ourselves that we, that we, you know, partner on and that's how, how life works. And very frequently, we'll have adult children say to us, I just think the stress of dad's death really sent mom over the edge. And honestly, my response very frequently is, 
mom isn't all that different. Yes, the stress could have certainly caused her, her dementia, as an example, to progress. But more likely, dad was compensating for things and you never saw the, the, the weaknesses in mom until dad was gone. What about the conversation that comes up all the time? As I talk to people, they say, I promised my dad I would keep him at home as long as I could. And we found out with my own father when he had pancreatic cancer that we had made that promise. And it, it wasn't even a promise. It was just, it's what he wanted. And um, we found out my father literally went to the hospital and died within six hours. And we were giving home hospice and didn't even know it. And there were things that came up that like moving my dad, that we weren't doing it the right way. And we were actually putting ourselves in jeopardy for getting hurt potentially. And, mm -hmm. but yet you don't see it because you think that you're doing the right thing. You've made this crazy promise, right? I, I think that that promise exists a lot, a lot more than I even know, um, where families say, well, we always told mom we wouldn't put her in a home. Um, but it's a tough, it's a tough promise to make. And I think that at times you're putting your family member or your loved one not in the best situation. Um, one example I would share is, um, and, and the easy way to put it is, you know, save your energy for the fun stuff is something that we frequently try to preach and share with families. Um, I always tell people, look at, you know, human beings in general, we only have the gas that's in our tank for any given day. Um, we've got the energy to do what we can do. Sadly, as you get older and you're declining, you don't have the energy you did when you were 15. We all know that. Um, but when you get up in the morning, you take a shower, you get out of bed, you make your bed, you get dressed, and all of those things that you do, just getting ready for the day, takes it out of you. So you got to go take a rest and take a nap and you haven't even made it to breakfast yet. Mm -hmm. That's something to think about. And when we're doing that in a, in a large home, in our home that we've raised our family in, that it's a larger space. Um, frequently, when once we've helped families move their loved ones to a, an assisted living type situation where you're in a little more of a compact environment and it's been simplified down to the things that you need and want around you, your favorite things and your necessities, all of, thing, all of the things around you are simplified and you have the added option of having a little bit of help. So now the energy that I have in my tank, I can use... Someone's going to come in, help me get out of bed, help me get ready for the day. I'm ready to go spend my energy on breakfast and cards and having fun with people or meeting someone and going out for the day and coming back. Easily said, but not easily done. Frequently, when we're getting to the age where we need a little bit of help, it's hard just to stay standing for a long time, you know, a long enough time to create a breakfast. Um, those are things that we need to be mindful of when we look at our loved ones. And although we've made that promise, I won't, you know, I'll, I'll never put you in a home. We got to look at what today's homes are. It's a lovely, beautiful place with full of amenities. And let's, let's go out there and share that with them and share with them how their life could be better rather than struggling every day. 
You know, I think, and we're going to take a quick break. And I, I, for me, I worked for four years in Glendale nursing home through high school and the homes are very different. I mean, that was truly a nursing home and it was at that time, a lovely place, but it's so different right now. And I do think taking that time to um, research and to look at places, but you know, when we come back, let's talk about one of the things that I know is a, a hurdle for people to get over is all my stuff, all my stuff. I've lived in this home all these years. This is my stuff. And what happens is that when I'm finding that when my clients wait too long and they're not willing to really engage in the conversation that it might be time to move, even the children don't want to talk about it. And they're overwhelmed with all of the stuff. And this whole idea of, you know, being proactive, as you had said earlier, Jenny, and being proactive and looking at where you're living and where do you think you want to live, and at least having a game plan in place is important. And so let's talk about that and let's talk about the game plan. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And, you know, we really do care about our clients. And certainly it's important to help with the finances and it's important to, you know, look at um, insurance and look at all of those, those different things and taxes. But we really believe that it's important to be connected and to have partners that can help our clients as they're faced with these types of, of medical decisions, but it's not just finding a place. It's also working with someone that you trust, someone that's going to take the time to listen to you, to find out what's really important, where you want to be, what's important. Um, I've always thought that so many of my things were important. And what I've learned is that they're important to me. My kids don't really want them <laughs> and, and letting go. And but it helps to have another advocate that's kind of looking over your shoulder and helping you make those decisions. I have two guests today, Jenny Wagner and Pam Fody. They are co-owner of uh, Elder Care Advocates and it's the Vesta Senior Network. <laughs> and they work in this entire area. And, you know, before we took the break, I was talking about the difficulty people are have in looking at their looking at their stuff, the difficulty of moving to somewhere. For many people, my clients' ages, they only can remember the old nursing homes. They don't remember things that are retirement communities, memory care units. Um, they're afraid. You're right. You're absolutely right, Karen. Um, you know, something that is, that's interesting is that so many of our older adults have never mm -hmm. seen anything other than their grandma's nursing home, right? You know, and even so many people our age, you know, maybe remember, you know, singing Christmas carols at the nursing home or, you know, visiting as Girl Scouts or, or visiting grandma. And I can tell you that, honestly, my grandmother, like I mentioned, died of Alzheimer's 25 years ago, and she died in a nursing home because there weren't all of these other options like memory care communities and assisted living communities. We have so many more options today than we had 25 years ago. And I can tell you 45 years ago when my great grandmother died in a nursing home, there's not a big difference between what existed 45 years ago and what existed 25 years ago. But what has, what has become in the last 20 years, especially in the state of Wisconsin, 
is very different than what people might think. And what I have learned, you know, working with clients, you know, there's some clients that I've worked with a long time, trying to get them, you know, to a place that that was really going to be great for them. And, you know, I had a client who started the opposite. She it, she wasn't so much clinging to her things. She was trying to get rid of all her things before she ever even picked a place. And we don't recommend that. You know, once she found her apartment and she had sold all these things, which is pretty fortunate because like you said, you know, not everybody wants all of our things, but she was like, oh, that little table, I could have used that little table or I didn't need to sell that chair or et cetera, et cetera. So I think that the most important thing that can happen, as Jenny said earlier, is to start this process sooner than later so that our parents, our loved ones can start to get their heads around what today's uh, long-term care facilities look like. Uh, assisted living communities, independent senior apartments, um, you know, more and more, they're not just one room um, situations, more and more, they're one bedroom, full bath. I mean, hardly anybody shares a bathroom in assisted living or memory care anymore. Uh, it's really important to start the process when you can be part of the process. As Jenny said, so many of our clients come to us in crisis. And when that happens, your, your choices are limited. And when that happens, you're probably so frail or so sick that you don't have the opportunity to develop new relationships and make new friends and, and become part of a, of a vibrant community. If you wait too long, you've waited too long. And so the sooner that you start the process, the more say you have in what happens to your things and what you get to bring with you and where you end up living the rest of your life. And I do think that it's an interesting thing. I've heard people say, well, it's really hard because I know this is going to be my last home. I mean, that's kind of a profound statement. But it's true, it probably will be your last home, especially if you choose correctly and are able to find a place that will be able to manage and help you, you know, through any decline or health issues that you experience. And, you know, the sooner you do it, the better. And we so frequently see people thrive once they get three squares, you know, once they have someone doing their laundry, you know, doing their housekeeping, um, helping them shower so that they are not falling. And, you know, people do get better. We've had situations where people have gotten so much better. Their family calls us and says, hey, my gosh, I, you would never believe my dad. You got to go visit him. He's doing so well. We think we should move him out. And I'm like, no, the reason he's doing so well is because he is where he is. So there's a lot to it. Many layers. I think the other thing I would add to it and get your opinion on is that I have heard that it's so much better to do it early because when people are having memory issues and they get disoriented, it really is off-putting off and unsettling for them. But if they can get into a place that they're comfortable with, start to make some friends, start to feel a little bit more part of something, um, they actually have a better outcome. For sure. That is true. 
and and I've heard so many times and Jenny can, you know, um, you know, share her thoughts on this too. But I have seen and heard so many times people say, well, I'm not going to move them till they don't remember who I am and until they won't know. Well, they're yes. going to know. They're going to know. They're going to know that something has changed. They're not necessarily going to know what it is, but that's just really, um, it's number one, putting off the inevitable and limiting your choices. And again, ultimately, it's not necessarily what's best for your person. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the types of questions people should be asking in order to select the right place, how you as an organization can help people and be their advocate. And how important is all that? I mean, you know, time is is so valuable right now. And if you don't really have the insight into the different organizations and what somebody is looking for, it's really hard to hone into like what's exactly the very, the very best place. And with that, we'll take a quick break. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you would like to know more about us, you can go to ellenbecker.com. My two guests today are Jenny Wagner and Pam Foti, and they are co-owners, um, and they are also elder care advocates for Vesta Senior Network. And if you would like to give them a call, you can do that by calling 414 253 1435, or you can go to vestaseniornetwork.com. And, you know, this whole idea of sometimes when you're frustrated and there's so much going on, it's like trying to take a drink out of a fire hose. There's just so much. How do you, how do you slow down, pause, get the right people to help you? What are the types of questions that they should be asking to get the right place? And, you know, I always tell people, you want to live where you want to play. Well, as you get into this elder care area, maybe it's not so much about that. But if you're very religious or spiritual or kids, I mean, there's a lot of things to, to be curious about and to ask yourself. Yep. Well, I think, I think the help that you're giving families is tremendous. And um, the very first thing I would say is you want to ask an expert, just like you do. We all know that if we're going to sell our home, we're going to find a good realtor. We know that if we're going to, um, you know, plan for our retirement, we're going to call an excellent financial advisor like yourself. Um, those are things that are just seem to be second nature. But people don't always know that when they're starting to think about what happens like at the end of my retirement or what happens now that I'm dealing with having to care for my mom and dad so, so very often, what do I do now? That's when they don't think of asking, looking for an expert like ourselves. Um, an elder care advocate or an elder care consultant is someone who can kind of come to your rescue there. And that's what we do every day, um, <laughs> all day, is understanding people's unique situations. It's, it's different from person to person to person. You might do this four times in your life because you might do it for both of your parents and then maybe your husband's parents or spouse. Um, and each time you do it, it's going to be different. One might have dementia. One might have physical frailties and be in a wheelchair. One might have oodles of money. And one after the other passes may have less. 
or just a little. So dealing with how do we do this and do it well for that particular person is something that we excel in because we've done it so often. Um, and, and we really sit down with our families and hold their hands and walk them through it on a very boutique or, or personalized basis. It is a challenge, I think, for children or a spouse to come to the realization and be able to accept it that they really do have to make a decision. But more importantly, the whole concept of making that decision and getting help is really gives you the opportunity to enjoy that spouse and to not be so exhausted or to be able to visit a parent and be able to talk about the good things that are going on. I, I remember with my mom that I started to feel really bad about what's wrong, mom. We've got to do the doctor. We've got to go here. We've got to go there. There just wasn't any fun left. It was all work and it was all scary. And I know my mom was afraid as well. And she was afraid she was afraid that she was going to be left, I think, not that we would ever leave her, but leaving her home. And those are all scary things. And I think having someone that can advocate for you and can maybe ask the questions in different ways brings out a conversation that would be maybe difficult to have on your own. You're absolutely correct. And, you know, again, our job is to understand the industry. Our job mm -hmm. is to know, like we started with, what has changed since you know 2020 in this industry. Um, and, and a lot has, some, some good, some not good, but it's important to you know, utilize an expert in this situation because we see it, as Jenny said, every day. And ultimately what we really focus on as Jenny said, is the individual. But what we're trying to determine is what is going to work for that individual. And we always start by looking at the three C's. And the three C's are the care, the cost, and the community. And what we mean by that is that if you've seen one assisted living community, you've seen one assisted living community. Because even though uh, assisted living uh, A and assisted living B may have the same license, that doesn't mean that they're going to provide or are required to provide the same type of care, the same level of care, or the same care in the same way. Um, the, the, the state licensures, they, they provide guidance, but they don't, you know, bullet point every single thing that this community is required to do. So it's important to, to understand what the limitations of these different communities are with respect to the care that they will provide. You know, we, we talk about thresholds of care. What would cause my loved one to not be able to stay here through the end of life? And it's really tough for a daughter um, who isn't experienced in this to understand, well, geez, this could happen. So we help, we try to help the families understand what the trajectory might look like for their individual, for the physical frailties. I mean, if we have a six foot four, 300 pound man who becomes weak and frail or has a stroke, it's highly likely that he's gonna become at least a two person transfer or need to be transferred with a lift and not every community will do that. So we know what, what these different um, care communities are willing to do and what they're not willing to do. So that's the first piece is, is care. We want to find sustainable choices that will be able to find to provide care for your loved one today and through the end of life. The second piece is cost. 
Now, some people have unlimited assets, others don't. So it's very important that everyone understands what the financial expectations are of these different care communities. Some communities will work with public funding. Um, this, the program in the state of Wisconsin that uh, will, co will um, cover the cost of assisted living when someone outlives their assets is family care. And that's a part of the Title 19 budget. But no one is mandated, no one is required to work with that program. So it's very important that if there's you know, a possibility that your loved one is gonna outlive their assets, you need to know what the safety net is going to be. Do they work with family care? How many family care residents will they allow to be in the community at any given time? But those are very, very, very important things to understand. And then ultimately I keep using the word community, but that truly is a significant piece to it. I always use the example, my grandmother was um, raised nine children. Um, she, my, my grandfather worked in a factory. They did not have a lot of money. My grandmother was a cook in a factory, a nursing home, a school. And she, the, the, the communities that I think of where she may have thrived would have been much simpler. They would have been the places where there was always the pot of coffee on so she could always have coffee all day while she sat and did her word search puzzles at a table that had one of those um, uh, vinyl tablecloths on that you change for the seasons um, for the different holidays. That was my grandma. That would have been the vibe that I was looking for for her. However, my mother-in-law is living in a senior community. She's currently in an independent apartment, but there are additional levels of care um, as safety nets should she ever need them. But we jokingly call my mother-in-law Fancy Nancy. She's a country club gal. So the place that she lives has a putting green. So if my grandma had lived at that place, she would have thought she was the help. So the care and the cost are the two most critical pieces. But then you also have to think about not where you would be happy as the adult daughter, but where would my mom be happy? And that's why we, when we are helping people to find the best care and community for their loved one, we try to come up with three or four really solid options. All of them would provide the care they need, you know, um, sustainably, and the and also be able to work with them financially. But at the end of the day, you know, one of them is going to be the fit that is right for their person. We only have about a minute and a half left. And how does someone um, interact and work with you? They pick up the phone and they call you, and what happens? Well, I can speak to that. Um, it's a bit of a process. We start with an educational meeting where we meet with the family and really understand everything we can about the person who may need care. And then we also try to educate them about what the landscape is. What are the what are our options today and what does that look like? So that's a that's a beginning beginning place to start. After we get to know each other and, and better understand the unique situation, we bring um, options to the family. We tour with them. Sometimes if it's in-home care, we're just helping them make sure we find places that are reliable and doing a great job and that we've had excellent experiences already with. Um, but helping them see their options, helping them with questions. What should I be asking? Helping take notes, helping people remember, because when we're touring assisted living, frequently it can go very, um, very quickly and be overwhelming. So helping people right through the process until they're ready to move a loved one in. 
it sounds like um, that is such a good place for people to start just to at least understand what their options are. I have two guests today, Jenny Wagner and Pam Foti. They are co-owners and they're both elder care advocates for the Vesta Senior Network. And if you would like to call them, you can do that at 414-253-1435 or go to vestaseniornetwork.com. Thank you both so much for being guests. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Bye-bye.